0: Hello and welcome to the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. This is the show where we talk about all things transportation, anything that gets you from here to there. I'm the traffic anchor and the transportation reporter for Denver 7 News, Jason Luber If you would like to be a part of the show, you could always give me a, a, a ring and dinghy or whatever on the, on the listener hotline, 303-832-0217. Uh, all my contact links are also in the description of this show. And I've talked on the show before about how when we get older... Our driving can be affected. I'm in my 50s now, and I, and I notice more than anything how nighttime driving is not as good for me since my eyes aren't as good as they were in years past, especially when it's raining or snowing. And we have all seen our grandparents' driving abilities decline as they get older. There are some people who specialize in assessing those driving abilities and can help determine if someone should still be on the road or not. One of those people is Jill Kelly. Jill's a certified driver rehabilitation specialist as well as an occupational therapist. But most importantly, Jill's a faithful viewer of mine on Denver 7 News in the morning. Uh, Jill, thanks for being here on the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. Thank you. Good morning. So we'll talk specifically about how you do what you do in a bit, but first I wanted to know why you do what you do. You, as as I said in the intro, are an occupational therapist first. So what made you learn how to be a certified driver rehabilitation specialist, and what exactly is a certified driver rehabilitation <laughs> specialist?
1: Besides a mouthful, right? Right. <laughs> So I guess first I would probably like to start with the occupational therapy itself, because that is sometimes misunderstood. Um, I know there's a lot of people out there that think we're trying to get them a job, which is not what we do. The term occupational therapy came from what do you do that occupies your time? And it could be anything. In the medical world, it's a lot about personal care, you know, dressing, bathing, toileting, those kind of things. But as a whole, occupational therapists are just trying to help you do whatever you want to do and figure out how to make it happen. You know, do we need to make adaptations? You know, how do we make the environment safe? Those kind of things. So, Occupational therapy just helps people do whatever it is they want to do, and hopefully make everything safer and better. I have been an occupational therapist for about twenty-five years, and my whole my whole work experience was in home health. And so, I would go into people's homes after that they, they had had strokes or injuries or those kind of things, and when I left, they would look at me and say, can I drive? And I couldn't say that they could drive. And they had to, back then, they had to speak to their doctor. And the doctors were reticent to make decisions about driving from a 20 or 30 minute office visit. Right. They didn't right. feel like they really had a, could assess that need so somewhere along the somewhere along the lines things change and doctors were kind of they were held liable and they didn't want any of that liability to say somebody was safe to drive and then they'd get in an accident and they didn't want any of that liability well about five years ago I, you know what I love occupational therapy I loved my home health but I needed a new challenge and I found driver rehab specialists and so I hopped on board, and basically, it was the perfect fit between, you know, when I when people are done with home health and the doctor needs some objective information. Is this person safe to drive, that kind of stuff, The family needs objective information. And that's where driver rehab specialist mm. comes in. Mm. It was kind of the perfect stopgap. And it just made, perfect sense for me and a continuation of my career. And I
0: imagine there has to be some specific set of requirements and certifications that you need to do this kind of work.
1: Huge, huge requirements. There there are not very many of us, and I wish I had a a number of how many driver rehab specialists there are uh, in the United States, but there's not very many. I believe there are 16 of us in the state of Colorado, but um, it is a difficult, it is a difficult certification as an occupational therapist that most of the people that are certified driver rehab specialists, which we can just say CDRSs because it's such a mouthful, are generally OTs Occupational therapists, physical therapists, and then occupational therapy assistants, physical therapy assistants, and driving instructors. If you are a therapist of any kind, your obligations, uh, your training was a little different because we have a lot of medical training. But I had to have 1,600 hours of behind wheel assessment, which is a full year, full time work. That's a lot, (laughs) a lot of hours. And then I sit for a certification, which is very challenging. And uh, it's a chore and there's not very many of us and it's kind of growing. I, I can see people, there's a, there's a new wave of people that are, uh, aware of it and understanding it. And there's just a huge, huge need, especially with the demographics in the United States right now and all the baby boomers and people just driving for longer and those kind of things. There's just a huge need for us.
0: Right. My guest is Jill Kelly. She's a certified driver rehabilitation specialist, CDRS, if you will. And you can find her on drivewithconfidence.co. Let's talk about the process. Why would somebody want to pick up the phone or do a Google search and get in touch with you?
1: As a, so my specialty, Jason, is older drivers. And that's mostly because that was what I did for 25 years, was work with uh, geriatric patients. Older drivers that have Alzheimer's, dementia, um, anything neurological, Parkinson's, stroke, multiple sclerosis. And I, family members are concerned. At some point, a family member goes, wow, I don't think my mom is safe to drive anymore. And if they pick up the phone and call me and bring me in, one, I can decrease the emotionally charged having a child take away a parent's keys. That's just a huge, I mean, it can change family dynamics. There's so much emotion involved in driving and people feel super strongly, right? Driving means independence. So they call me and bring me in and there's a doctor that needs to be a part of it. As an occupational therapist, I need to work under a doctor's order. And in addition, there is a form for the DMV that the doctor needs to complete. Um, Once I work with this person, we deem, you know, they're safe to drive. They're not safe to drive. I also, I can um, create restrictions for people to say they can only drive a couple miles from home. They can only drive 45 miles an hour. They can only drive during the day. But the form that documents all that for the DMV needs to be completed by a doctor. So we do have to bring a doctor into, into the process, and that uh, makes people reticent sometimes.
0: And, and I'm sure, and you mentioned a little bit of it, I'm sure that the family members or friends who, have, who are calling you have already tried to get the driver to hand over their keys to them first.
1: You know, sometimes yes. And sometimes they just have reservations and want an objective opinion. And, you know, some of them will just say, hey, if my mom's safe to drive, that's great. But I just don't, they don't feel like they have the skills, which they don't, right? And when someone gets in the car with me, I have a special vehicle. It has an instructor brake. I do not have a steering wheel, but I have an instructor brake and I have a rear view mirror so I can see what's going on. So I can allow people to do things that I would say are more unsafe than a family member could allow them to do because I can control the situation. I've got to break some of those kind of things. So not everybody, not everybody that sees me the goal is to you know retire them from driving there's a lot of them that just need objective information that yeah my family member is still safe to drive
0: and we'll talk a little bit more about that behind-the-wheel assessment in just a second as I'm speaking with Jill Kelly, Certified Driver Rehabilitation Specialist, and you can find her at drivewithconfidence.co. The link to her information is in the description of the show. Is there something that that me as as a family member of, of uh, having elderly drivers around, is, is there something I should be looking out for, something to determine that their abilities are are lagging?
1: You know, do you you see scrapes on the car? You know, dents, bumps, scrapes on the car. Um, Has your parent ever called to say, gosh, I was going to the grocery store and I can't figure out how to get home? Um, You can also extrapolate from things that you see at home, right? Are they having troubles with some of the more complicated daily tasks like managing their medicine? Managing their finances. those are um, can be very correlate, can correlate very well to if they're having troubles with these really challenging multitasks at home, then driving might become overwhelming to them as well.
0: Let's get into exactly what you do when assessing an older driver. You've been called, you're going out to do this meet. What is that first meeting like?
1: Okay. so, My business model, which is different than um, anybody else, there's three companies here in Denver, the Denver metro area. I go to people's homes and I do that because that's my background, right? That's what I've done for my whole life is go to people's homes because you can glean so much information from everything you you see in their home. You can see their support system. You can see their setup. You can see it all. I go to their home we spend, it's it's between an hour and a half and two hours doing pen and paperwork. And that doesn't explain it very well, but there's tons and tons of research right now on presenting somebody with a pen and paper assessment and those results can be interpreted into their driving safety. You know, like if somebody can complete this task in, under 30 seconds, then they're probably still good to drive. If it takes them a minute, they might have some troubles. So we, I look, I have a brake reaction timer. So I have a little piece of equipment that has what looks like a gas and a brake pedal and a green and a red light. And I look and see, you know, what their reaction time is. I am looking at their vision. Colorado is very i think it's stricter than most of the others they have vision requirements so we have to make sure we meet the vision requirements i'm looking at path finding can these guys get from point a to point b what is their road sign knowledge um i just have something online where they're looking at 30 road signs and they have to answer you know there's answers. They have to choose the right answer. I think a lot of drivers have, would
0: fail that test right now.
1: Well there is a lot of <laughs> and, and um one one of my there is shapes that Um, tell you exactly what this sign means. So you can not be able to read it. But if you see the shape, then you have, you know, some idea what it is. Yes, there's a lot of people that uh, don't do very well on those signs. So that's, and that's something that people can do online, they can look and challenge themselves. But we look at uh, their road knowledge, like um, intersection right away Who's, you know, if these people all get to the intersection at the same time and this guy's going left and this guy's going right and he has a stop sign, who has the right of way? Um, We're looking at those. So I spend, I think it's close to two hours. And in that time, as an occupational therapist, I am really able to assess all kinds of things, right? Like, is this taking longer? Um, Are they having trouble scanning and seeing everything on the page? Is there um, any fine motor troubles, right? Are we having, you know, any physical limitations with shoulders, arms, anything like that? So for about two hours, we do that. And that gives me an idea of what their limitations might be. So I know what I'm going to look for when we go out on the road. They drive in my car so I can keep everybody safe. I request... They come up with three or four destinations of their choice. And that allows me, you know, to determine their pathfinding. you know, can they get not only from A to B to C, but can we get from C back to A, right? Like I I say, oh, uh, pretend there's a construction zone and you have to make a right here. And they go, well, I don't usually turn right here. And like, well, today you have to. (laughs) You have to pretend with me, and I need to make sure you can, you know, take the detour and get back on track. We drive for close to an hour, between 45 minutes and an hour. And if I have somebody, Jason, that only goes a couple miles from home, it's probably not going to be that long driving in the car. But um, as a general rule, it's 45 minutes or an hour. I try to get people on the highway. I always get them in some crazy parking lot, right? Using a King Supers or a Costco or something (laughs) (laughs) that's busy and full of pedestrians and people. When we are finished with that, I request a family member be present at the end because there is a lot of selective listening (laughs) at the end. And we talk about we talk about my concerns. We talk about what they did well. Um, I get their input. You know, how do you think you did? And after that, I I, I try to give him an idea. I try to be as straightforward as I can and tell him about my deficits. I can't give him a final answer right then and there. I come home. I have a three-page report card, which just talks specifically, you know, did they stop behind stop signs? Did they adhere to the speed limits? Did they enter and exit the highways? properly. You know, it's just three pages of very specific stuff. And that needs to be, I, I give them a grade on that and they need to pass at 80%. And if they pass at 80%, then I give that information and that DMV form that we talked about a little bit, I send all of that information to the doctor the doctor has final say but as a general rule they support me probably 98% of the time and the doctor fills out signs my report fills out the DMV report and on the this DMV page is a super important thing Jason and I we can maybe talk about it separately but we get that back to the DMV to maybe maybe somebody had a stroke and we're going to document that on the DMV form so once that form it's back to the DMV. My driver that had a stroke now has equal liability in the state of Colorado as every other driver. Hmm. If they have a stroke and they have not submitted the DMV form, then they do not have equal liability. They are kind of behind the eight ball and can be ticketed for not following the rules of the state of Colorado.
0: Yeah. And we can talk more about that and how maybe the insurance implications there. As I was looking through your uh, behind the wheel assessment page there, you give basically points for all of these different uh, checks that that you're doing while you're driving. And I'm looking at even at the beginning, preparing to drive where you're reviewing the primary controls and your other controls, adjusting the mirror, fasten your seatbelt. Well, out of these five, I, I only fasten the seatbelt. I mean, I really, I, I guess I take a quick glance at the mirrors, but they've all been set that way since I <laughs> set them forever ago, you know? So I do you, yeah, do you still check uh, every one of those yeah, things because, off?
1: Because, yeah, they get in my car, Jason. Oh, okay. They have to set oh, okay, their mirrors. All right, I get it. It's my, yeah, it's my car and it's set to where my mirrors were. And I have no idea, am I meeting a 411... Woman, am I meeting a uh, you know a six six man, and I you know I don't know what their physical stature is. So I get out of my car, my mirrors are all set for me, and so it challenges them. They have yeah. to. I'll help them. You know, here's the here's here's how you move the mirrors, but you're the one that needs to decide. Where to put them and how you like them. Like and getting, like getting it
0: into a rental car, where you have to get Absolutely. everything set up, and and you're probably totally. not used to a like a rental car too. You're really not used to everything. You're sure your driving might be about the same but everything else around you is a little bit uncomfortable. So there, there has to be some, I, I would almost think some nervousness. I, I know when I was driving with a driving instructor, when I was a teen, uh, I, you know, you, you feel a little bit nervous when you're doing that, but it, it, maybe it's the same thing for the older folks too.
1: And there is, there's some nervousness and I have to tell you just in my, um, in my history, women are very, very they're much more anxious about driving somebody else's car and it's because they have to make all these adjustments the men they just they just hop in 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 and and fix things and they do they just hop and fix things in but there is um that is my in my ot mind I need to make sure that they can generalize. There's nothing fancy about my car. It's a 2018 Subaru Legacy. Um, you do have to have a key, and sometimes people go, "Oh, you, <laughs> you have <laughs> right. a key," because they're so you know things are yeah. so different now. But I want to know that these people can generalize their all their knowledge about driving, and most of the people that I. That I drive with have been driving for 60 plus years, right? That they can get in my car and yeah, it might be a little different, but I will absolutely give them some time. To figure things out and set things up and that kind of stuff, but yes, it just is. It it is what it is, and they need to ride in my car so that we can keep everybody safe.
0: And most of these points that you assess, they're they're usually in the one or two point range. There's a couple threes, like uh, in the parking road test, yeah. And there's a six there. Yeah. There's like backing up skills. That's a three, mm-hmm. and then there's this six under the turning and tracking one, where you're supposed to be able to demonstrate a safe left. Uh, safe left uh, and unprotected turns tell me about that
1: left turns unprotected left turns are the most complicated dangerous maneuver in driving one of them i should say so i that's one of the things that i'm going to challenge you with because that means you have to have the depth perception you have to you know you have to read the intersection you have to read the lighting and even um <laughs> It just—it's a very complicated thing, so that is worth a lot more points than I think. That's the highest point.
0: It is. It is in my
1: report card. Yeah, you have
0: another. You have one that's a four that is in the visual scanning area that uh, you should look ahead one block, uh, and uh, be able to do that and and do it for twelve or uh, I I guess twelve seconds ahead.
1: Right, and that just tells me so. So some of that is pathfinding, and or you know, am I? Are they? we're going 50 50 miles an hour and I see that that light ahead is red and these guys are not, my client is not stopping in the appropriate amount of time and then gets up closer and maybe breaks harder than I would like. I can assess from that that there's some late processing, right? I saw that red light and I would have been breaking much farther back, but it took a while for that information from the red light to get through their eyes, into their brain, and, and yeah. down to their feet. Yeah.
0: So, And the last one is maintain speed, and you have that for three points. It says drives to speed limit. I, I've always maintained, and I, I tell this to uh, everybody that I meet, that the speed limit is the speed that you're not supposed to go more than, not the speed you're supposed to drive. Correct. But most people don't get that. They think that's the, that's how <laughs> fast you're supposed to go.
1: You're right. Nope, nope, it's a limit. It is a limit, and I tell people, too, I'm like, I know this is really hard, but it is a limit, and you know what, I'll give people, I'll give people two or three over, but if you get any, you know, four or five over is a no-go, and if you get in the car with a DMV tester, they're not going to give you anything, right. right? It is a limit. You don't go over, and people go, I just drive with traffic. It's safer to drive with traffic, I'm like, that's that's your choice, but you need to understand that my rules that I am following are the Colorado DMV rules and it's a limit. That's as high as you should go.
0: My guest is Jill Kelly, certified driver rehabilitation specialist. We're talking about assessing older drivers and what she does to help people. You can find her at drivewithconfidence.co, not com, just .co. Are you chatty when you're uh driving with these folks are so you can assess not only what they're doing physically but also get some sense of their mental health as well
1: totally 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 and i in ca- in my in my world i call it co- the cognitive load and i know if i can speak with somebody and they can maintain their driving abilities then i know that the driving itself isn't maxing out All their cognitive abilities. And I do have I have people, and it's perfectly fine with people go, I ride in the car by myself, I don't listen to anything, it's all quiet. And that's I will absolutely respect that. And what that tells me is that the multitasking of driving is taking all their focus. So then what I do is I try to throw something in environmentally, like that's when I would say, Oh it's a construction zone. You're going to have to make a left here. You know, we can't get where we're going and I need to see if they can manage those things. So I am trying to meet people at their cognitive level. And I also have figured out when we talk a little bit with driving, I'm seeing their true driving habits. If I just sit quiet and let them just focus wholeheartedly on the driving, I just don't, it's not, it's not their true, driving. And they, everybody has habits, right? And those habits will, <laughs> they will show back up and I can see them. But yes, as a general rule, I do chat with folks a little bit to make sure that they can, you know, talk and still manage the s- skills that they need to manage. And, and
0: I would think that some, especially men, I, w- I would think more than women, there, there has to be some of these folks that, that are, that when they're called out, to do your driving test and and they're in the car with you that they probably resent you being there a bit and, and react differently, or, or maybe even just try to show you, look how good I can drive. I'll, I'll show you.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And it truly is not, it's not, it's not men all the time. That's a good guess, but you know what I think, and I, some of it, it's just the, it's just the anxiety of, knowing that somebody's there. And I have, you know what, I have a pad and I have to write. I I do these all day long, Jason. So if I don't write, I write the trail of where we go and, you know, did a ambulance come by? Did we get stuck behind a bus? Was it bad traffic? You know, I'm, I'm kind of documenting things. So that makes people nervous because it's like a driving instructor, but that's when I try, you know, just to talk and make them feel at home. And, you know, that's one of my things, but I can't, these these folks will say, I've never gotten in an accident, you know, I don't know why I have to do this, and my cell is, there's there's been some change, right, and maybe maybe it's just even mild cognitive change, right, some forgetfulness, something like that, that needs to be documented with the state, and I said, we need to do all this so we can prove to the state of Colorado that you are still good and safe to drive.
0: But but there has to be some that you show up to their house and and the family members there, or these people are there and they say, "No, I'm not going to do this. I'm fine. I'm not going out there with you."
1: Well, and we have those discussions hopefully before, <laughs> before <laughs> I get there. But no, there's a, there is lots of people, you know, that that kind of butt heads with me. So that is and this is kind of where the doctor comes in. The doctor can say to them, you either do this driving assessment with Jill or we take your license away. Hmm. And a doctor can do that. People do not believe they can, but they can. The doctor can fill out a form, the same form we've been talking about, and say, I do not believe this person is safe to drive. And sometimes that's just, you know, holding their feet to the fire um, to say, you know, you got some choices. And the doctor saying, I don't trust that you're safe to drive. I don't feel good enough to get you out there unless – you do this driving assessment, right. and you know what? There's a cost to it, Jason, and that is that can be the obstacle, which absolutely, absolutely breaks my heart. And I'm working really, really hard to develop a nonprofit and just get some donations so that driving assessments are just are not for only for people to get that can afford them, but they're for everybody. Right. So I'm working on that as well. And sometimes you and that's and how how do you argue with that? Right. Yeah. you, you don't. Sure. Um, so that's a P but you know, as a general, I'm trying to think of um you know, I'm really trying to I I think I've I've worked with this clientele for so long that I can kind of just calm them down and say, you know, if, if somebody's very anxious or angry, I just want to say, you know what, you don't want to be anxious or angry when you're driving because you know that's gonna come out. So let's, you know, let's try to leave everything out of the car and get in there and show me. Show me what you can do, you know. Give right. me the, I, I, you know, I'm like, you're sitting next to the teacher. So drive as good as you can. <laughs> uh,
0: and, and then at the end of your survey here, it has the total points that are available, the total points that you were uh, scoring, that they got correct. And if you had to do any steering or braking assistance. So then after you fill out this form, then what happens? What is really the next step after you do the, you do this full assessment?
1: Okay, so just just so you guys know, what Jason is referring to is kind of what I call my report card. And he's that's when he was talking about points and those kind of things. So I give that report card, plus we complete this DMV form, send it to the doctor. The doctor makes the final call, generally sends all that paperwork back to me. And if we think the person was safe to drive, I send that form to the DMV documenting whatever medical event, you know, whatever their deficits were. Goes to the DMV. It doesn't go. Doesn't have to go on a license or anything like that. It's just documented with the DMV, and that client can continue driving.
0: What if you recommend that somebody doesn't drive? It, it, I'm sure that reaction ha- has to be, uh, I, I would think, heartbreaking and and probably frustrating for the person that you're recommending not drive.
1: It is. It is heartbreaking sometimes. <sighs> I always think that there's a little inkling in each of them that they knew they might not pass. Like if we're really talking about somebody, you know, that there's a lot of people that when I am brought in because people, family members do not think they're safe to drive. I'm not introducing that driving retirement piece, right? Family has already said, mom, I don't think you're safe to drive that kind of stuff. So When I get back with my objective stuff and I can just I can just tell them what I saw, what was concerning. Uh, One of my biggest red flags is the first thing I say when we sit down afterwards is how do you think you did? And if I have somebody that feels like they did well and they did not do well then that is a huge red flag for me because then I know that their insight into their own abilities is poor. Mm. And those are the folks that you don't want driving anymore because they're driving unsafely and they're not aware that they're driving unsafely. Um, You know what? It just, it's a hard, it's a hard part of the job. It's a necessary part of the job. Um, I believe I mean, there's certainly been, you know, if I can save somebody's life, save some property, save an animal, just, I mean, there's there's times when it's very clear that this person should no longer be driving. And then it's kind of a relief. Like, if, you know, they'll, they'll I get messages from the family. You know, dad was really mad today. And in two days, they'll go, he's accepted it. He's good. He gave his car to his grandson. Like, you know, it just, it kind of falls away in pieces. Yeah but taking that driving piece away i mean it's a huge it's a huge piece of self esteem it's independence there's a whole lot of things but the older generation has i think a greater sense of community and if, if you can just kind of appeal to that, right. You don't want to hurt anybody else and you know, it's just time to give up driving. Then
0: it's time to go to uh, the villages down in Florida and just drive the golf cart yeah. all, all over <laughs> the place. That... <laughs> That's true. That's go. true. Uh, are there some drivers who could y- have some equipment that maybe was installed in their car that would help them out and keep them, let them keep driving even for a little while longer? Absolutely.
1: So, I work with a lot of people um, with diabetes, neuropathy, so the sensation in their feet isn't very good. Some of them end up with amputations. So, I can help people learn how to drive with hand controls. I have several different options for hand controls. Um, And that's kind of the same process. We meet get in my car, try to figure out what hand controls work the best for them. And then we uh, drive around parking lots with their hand controls and I write a prescription. I work with the equipment, the mobility dealers here help them get their equipment installed. And once it's installed in their vehicle, then I do a final driving assessment with them in their vehicle with their new equipment. So I can help people with hand controls. I have a left foot accelerator in my car for people that either don't have a right foot or maybe the right foot, you know, just doesn't move very well or quick enough, those kind of things. So, um, yes, adaptive equipment is a huge piece of what we do, and that's that's a really, it's really fun to keep somebody driving that didn't think they'd be able to just because their feet weren't listening as well as they should.
0: Right. And, and you and you not only help I I know you don't just help geriatric patients, you know, older patients, but but also you help people who are younger who might need a little bit more training.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Um I work with uh a new driver. I mean, I could work with any new driver. I work with a lot of new drivers that are on the autistic spectrum, um a lot, kids with ADD, ADHD, um, that need just a little extra time, uh, maybe a different kind of training and a little bit more training. Um, some of some working with um, some of the kids that have very concrete thinking when you're trying to teach them all the rules and they're following all the rules and everybody else on the road isn't following the rules is it's just hard, right? It's a hard concept for them to grasp. And it's a really interesting, you know, it's a really interesting thing. And I'm like, you're right. What he did was not correct, but you're going to do it right. And those kind of things. So getting, uh, helping a younger person get their driver's license is certainly rewarding. You know, that's a big, that's a huge fun 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 thing um and same thing i can help them with uh hand controls and left foot accelerators some of those kind of things as well
0: is is the problem of older folks driving when they shouldn't is it is it larger than than what we ever could imagine
1: yes it is there is an article and i and i can give it to you jason if we need it talks and i don't quote me but it says People are living so long that we're outliving our driving abilities. And I think it's four years for men and six for women, because women live longer. And driving retirement is just something that you need to do proactively, which is a super, super difficult thing to do, right? It's and I don't want to say it's easy, but you know, when your when your grandma crashes her car. And, you know, she did something wrong, those kind of things. It's That's an okay time to go, I'm not going to drive anymore. But it would be really smart <laughs> yeah. to be proactive and see that she was having troubles before that. And
0: and I can't and, imagine, you know, in, and, in older folks, I can't imagine what it would be like if they did get seriously injured and how long of a time it would take for them to heal and recuperate oh, yeah. than than younger folks.
1: Right. It's horrible. And if you, if they retire from driving, Yeah, you have to, it's a whole mind shift, right? Then you're thinking about how I'm going to get to this place, how am I going to get to that place? But it can also broaden your support system, right? So maybe now somebody from the synagogue is going to take you to the grocery store and you figure out that you like each other and you can go to a movie and then the grocery store and you just start relying on other people possibly outside your family, you know, in different social circles, and it can really help broaden your support system. And so you have more contacts and you're actually interacting with more people. And if you give your license up a little sooner, then you have more time, you know, more time to do that and trial what works and doesn't work. And, you know, people try and Uber and Lyft and some of those kind of things. I mean, it does open, it closes some doors, but it opens up some new doors.
0: My guest is Joe Kelly, Certified Driving Rehabilitation Specialist. You can find her at drivewithconfidence.co. You were talking earlier about this DMV report that puts you on equal footing with other drivers. So let's get into that a little bit and explain. Right now, uh, I'm just a regular driver. You're a regular driver. If we happen to have a collision, it's just we're equal drivers, right? And and so what happens if, let's say... I was a little bit older, and I, I've had some vision problems. In, in the past, my dr- my doctor has said, "Hey, maybe you should get better vision, or, or, or you know, uh, vision correction, or, or maybe you shouldn't be driving." And then we get into a collision. What what is the difference there between those scenarios?
1: Okay, so to start from the beginning, Colorado, and each state does things differently. So Jason told me we may be speaking to folks that. Are around in different states and such. So you got to look into your own state regulations. Colorado is a self-report state. And what that means is if you have any physical, mental, or emotional condition that could interfere with your ability to operate a motor vehicle safely, you need to report that to the DMV. And I know this is counterintuitive because nobody wants to report anything to the government that they don't have to. This is the opposite. By reporting, so so Jason, you pulled out, there's the form I'm in time, there's a medical form and there's a vision form. So for you, you would need to take the vision form to your eye doctor and they would document what your visions are and it would have to meet the state requirements, which any Colorado optometrists would know. They fill out that form, send it to the DMV, and they document, yep, Jason does have some vision deficits, but he's still good enough to drive within the state. If you and I ran into each other and you had not completed that form, then you could get ticketed for driving illegally in the state of Colorado because you have not reported a diagnosis or a limitation that uh, that could affect your driving. If you report that form, then you and I are on level playing field.
0: And how does that play out in my insurance? So if I don't report and I get into a minor crash or even a major crash, whatever kind of crash, is, that, uh, is there a chance that my insurance won't cover me?
1: Well, yeah, you know, and I can't, I truly... I would be misspeaking if I spoke about um, the insurance piece. But what needs by filling out the form, you are doing everything that you need to to meet the state of Colorado guidelines. So you don't have to tell your insurance that you're completing the form. It actually would fall in your favor but you don't have to tell the insurance because you're doing everything that the state requires. Um, you know what? Some, I, I can't answer that one. Okay. And I would. Um, yeah, yeah, I would cause, yeah. Cause I'm I sure did. there's
0: legal things here and le- and all kinds of different, you know, uh, well,
1: there is. And that's, you know what the issue is. So, so the story that I tell to try to sell this a little bit, as I say, so, so let's use you and I again, and I have some memory issues. And my in my medical records, it's documented. For the last year or two, Jill's had memory issues. So you rear-end me. So it's not my fault, it's your fault. But you have a super duper attorney, and he starts looking and he looks in my medical records and he sees that I have memory deficits that I have not documented, then I can be I can be ticketed and I can be considered at fault in that accident because i'm not playing by the state rules
0: okay interesting stuff that yeah i think that was yes. one of the most surprising things that that i learned you know talking with you before we we started talking here
1: so and i just want to tell and you guys can look i mean if anybody's interested in, i don't know um we can put these these forms up but on the medical form that i am speaking about i just i'm gonna just grab a couple things and these are Things that you could check off and people wouldn't have any idea that they are supposed to report these to the DMV. Uh, There's diabetes, sleep apnea, um, Alzheimer's is on there, dementia is on there, uh, having a stroke, having a heart attack, brain injury, um, inattention, distractibility, asthma... Um, all kinds of things related to arm paralysis, leg paralysis. Um, then there's psychiatric things. There's bipolar, depression, alcohol abuse or addiction, anxiety, chronic pain. Those are completely on the list of what the DMV is asking you to report if those things could possibly affect your driving.
0: Right. Right. Do you feel comfortable talking about how much your services cost and if insurance covers any of these costs?
1: Sure, sure, sure. So, my, so there's two things that I can do. Uh, We can break this down a little bit. If I come to your house and I do the whole thing, which is the paperwork portion, which we call the clinical assessment, and then the on road, that is $500. And like I said, so I come to your house, we do it, and it's a good, you know, three hours worth. And then I follow up, do all the paperwork. There are like UC health and there's some other hospitals that I work with that will complete the clinical piece for me. And then I just do the on-road and the on-road on its own is $300. Mm -hmm. I also, Jason, like sometimes folks, like I work with people that have had stroke and they haven't been able to drive for maybe a year you know, fifteen months or something, and they just want to get out and have somebody with them when they get out there initially. And I can do some training with them, right? Like we just get out and we make sure that every that everybody's safe, um, and help people gain their confidence. You know, I've been I drive with people that have been in a car accident. We have to work on you know getting over the anxiety and just trying to build their confidence up so they feel safe getting on the road again.
0: And those are pretty standard costs through the industry. I would imagine.
1: Uh, I'm on the lower end. Okay. Um, I am. And, and you know what, I just um, this is a public service. If I were out to make a, I'm not out to make a million dollars. I'm trying to make this very accessible to the average person, as we kind of uh, talked about a little bit and just going to people's homes makes all the difference in the world because if you if you take somebody to someplace, you know you got to take them and come back and get them, and all those kind of things. But yes, I think I'm on the I'm on the lower side uh, financially.
0: Right. Uh, is this this is really the first time I, I've been hearing about this profession? And, and I and I you know, am somebody who's connected to the driving world <laughs> in a big way. Right. Uh, so how are you educating people that, that not only you're out there, but that people can contact you and, and others like you?
1: Any opportunity I can find to, you know, so senior expos um, I'm part of age wise, you know, I just, I've tried to glom onto any, anything I can and all of us in the state try to work really hard To educate people. Um, I think at neurology happy hours, my business card is passed (laughs) around, right? Like I find, I find somebody and they go, we had no idea there was anybody like you out there. And just you and for all for the listeners. I had a question. I was on a drive with somebody and we were at a red light and my client was trying to turn right on this red light and I'm like I don't think we can so I had to use my brake which meant that she didn't pass
0: oh no and all kinds
1: of stuff and so I sent Jason a message to say <laughs> can you turn right on this light or not or not and then I thought ah oh, I should probably tell him who we are and what we do See? so yeah, that was how that was how our introduction came about. And, and I'm glad to
0: help you out with any of those other driving questions because <laughs> you know, I, I could throw that into the driving your crazy uh, mailbag and, and I'll cover that in a, at another time. Yeah. But, but totally like you lonely. said, there are others like you around the country. If somebody's listening from outside Colorado, and I do have a lot of listeners from around the country, so where where could they find somebody that does what you do?
1: Okay, so you need to go on a ADED, a d e d dot net and that is the association for driver rehab specialists that is our national it's actually international we are combined with canada canada and america um but if you go on to the a dot net there is something that says click look for a provider and it tells you specifically pull up it's one of those search bars where the you want to put in the least restrictive. So just put in, you know, you could put in Pennsylvania and then your choices would come up. And what I do, I do want to tell you there is I am a certified driver rehab specialist, which means I have uh, advanced experience and expertise in several different fields. There are driver rehab specialists that are fabulous and they they service and help with basic and low tech programs so a drs in most cases is going to meet most people's needs the CDRSs, that's kind of where the some of the equipment come in and i have people there's there's things that i won't touch um, some fabulous CDRSs like at craig here that work with high tech crazy stuff that can help Anybody that wants to drive, figure out how to drive. So there's, yeah, there's several different levels, but if you go on Ada.net, you can find somebody in your state and hopefully close by uh, that could help you with this.
0: Good. And And I'll put a link to that exact link in the description of the show. So somebody could just click there and it'll take you right to it.
1: Uh, yep, absolutely and those guys are we're we're still a pretty small association just just cuz there're not very many of us so it's very personal and you know you would absolutely find somebody that could help you yeah. get what you need.
0: Very interesting work, Jill. Uh, I appreciate you contacting me, and I could answer your question, and you could answer all of my questions. So, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's beautiful. I've been so, uh, talking with Jill Kelly, certified driver rehabilitation specialist, drivewithconfidence.co. If you want to get more information from Jill, Jill, thanks so much for being here.
1: Yes, Jason, it was a pleasure. And anybody, feel free to, if you got questions. Just send them my way. I'm happy to help and trying to get the word out that there is professionals out there that can help you make a decision on driving safety for anybody in your family.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure it's just really tough, as we talked about earlier, really tough to deal with. I have the link to uh, Jill's website, Drive With Confidence, uh, in the description of the show. I also have the link uh, to that uh, other website that she was mentioning, the Association for Driver Rehabilitation Specialists. That link also in the description of this show. Uh, fascinating stuff, uh, especially I, I like. I told Jill I, I I know a lot of things about driving and and driving topics and stuff. And this was one that uh, I had no no clue about. So uh, it's pretty interesting. I've never had a conversation with someone that I think shouldn't be driving anymore. I, I guess I when I was a kid we used to make uh, comments with my brothers and myself about my grandmother driving and she was, you know, 90 years older and driving her little Ford Escort around and she, it, it seemed like she was doing great. Um, she was pretty cognitive about all, all of her <laughs> driving and, and were there times that she was a little bit slow in the reaction? Sure. Um, but if you took away her driving, that's I, I got to be the hardest thing is if you take away their driving. You're almost forcing them to, Then rely on deliveries, or have to, or other people, or have to go maybe go to an assisted living facility, something like that, where they can get um, anything that they need. Um, It really is, uh, it's a tough conversation to have, I'm sure. So uh, it takes a lot of courage, I'm sure, for family members to make that call to Jill, or have a doctor uh, make that assessment, and and have a family uh, member call Jill and have her do her her evaluation anyway i hope this interview does help someone out there with this very difficult issue uh if you have any questions comments concerns about it you can always reach me on any my uh, contact links in the description of the show and of course the listener hotline at 303-832-0217 thanks again for being here thanks for listening and until next time i'm jason luber the traffic guy be safe and as always happy motoring